It's happening again. Welcome to Work Cookie, a CBOC podcast. As we broadcast around the world, get bite-sized morsels and tidbits from our industrial organizational psychologists, other experts, and the latest research on the workplace to boost your organization's effectiveness. Sign up now at seboc.com. That's S-E-B-O-C.com to engage with our community, gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from our experts at seboc.com. Welcome. I'm Dr. Jeremy Lokabaugh, Industrial Organizational Psychology Consultant and Workplace Communication and Negotiation Coach. In addition to seboc.com that you just heard, you can also visit my website at turnboot.com. If you're in or getting into the IO psychology field and you feel a little lost in the crowd, you're looking to jumpstart your career and maybe get the answers that your degree program never gave you about what it's actually like to work as an IO psych practitioner, check out CBOC's IO Career Pathfinder membership at cboc.com. Also, we have Tom Bradshaw, voice and speech coach and a damn good actor at that. He is the leading voice and speech coach for the industrial organizational psychology community. Well, thank you very much, Jeremy. And hello, everyone. Good uh, morning, afternoon, or evening, depending on where you are in the world. Uh, thank you for very much for joining us. This is our weekly gathering of IOs, HR recruiters, and all of those of us who are involved in the helping people in business area. Uh, Jeremy, today you've got an interesting topic for us, creating horizontal development opportunities for employees not interested in leadership. There's people not interested in leadership. Yeah, so this is one of, we did a call for um, call for topics. You know, we were you know after a while you start to to drain out, and we've been. I think this is number maybe thirty nine of our psychology deep dive series. So we said, hey, why don't we get some suggestions? And this was this was one of the suggestions, and it, it makes total sense because look at the conversations that we've been having about people being promoted to leadership positions, just because it seems like the track that most people are on, even though some of them, you know, aren't suitable for leadership positions, but some enjoy being an individual contributor and don't necessarily want to be in leadership positions. And then last week we had Nikki joining us and she was talking about in Malaysia, how it's, just customary, you know, individual contributors and leadership uh, positions, they're on the same pay scale. And it makes total sense. And I've been, I've been thinking about this and thinking about this and, and, and prep for today. And we talk about leadership. And if you're promoted because you're good at a task and you're not necessarily a good leader and you haven't developed those skills and your company's not developing you as a leader, you're in a leadership position, but you're still nothing but an individual contributor with a leadership title. And if you're not going to lead, who's going to lead? Because you're the leader, you basically have a leaderless team. And that, you know, in any situation, a leadership gap will be filled, whether that's someone else on the team. So it creates, I mean, if you th- think deeply about it, Think about how many teams are out there with a leader by name and title, but somebody else, an individual contributor, is actually leading the team. It's fascinating to think about. Yeah, and and sometimes you end up with too many leaders. Um, Lee, let me go to you because I want to tap into your military experience where we have leaders and we have a bunch of people who are ready to lead if the opportunity presents itself or if they have to, but also you've got people who you know, are 
it's like Jeremy says, you know, they're not leaders, they're contributors. So what has been your experience with that? You know, it, it is, it's interesting that you bring that up. The, um, I have worked with a lot of people who are fantastic technicians and uh, they, they really weren't interested in being here. They, they want to do their jobs and they wanted to go home. And, uh, and we need those. We absolutely need that. Uh, an interesting thing about the, the, the military paradigm, though, is that we're not really keyed in uh, for that at this time in history because, you know, we kind of force people, you know, like in, in the Navy for, for enlisted personnel up through uh, E7, you have to take, you take a test to, to promote. Uh, E7 is a test and a board. But, you know, so basically, if you just do well enough, you promote whether you want to or not. And I have seen people practically drag kicking and screaming into the testing center because they just don't want to do it. And uh, I know that in the past, uh, we had people retiring as, you know, E3s, E4s, you know, you know the worker B levels uh, because it's all they wanted. And, and now we don't allow that. You can't actually retire without having gotten to, uh, I believe it's E5 is the first you can actually reach 20 years from what we call high year tenure. So if you reach a level and you exceed that, that they, they send you home. They, they No gold watch, anything. They thank you and uh, show you where the door is. And so it is a challenge because you get these fantastic people and maybe they could be great leaders. They just don't want to. And uh, we, I have seen us lose some really, really good people because they just didn't want to do it and they were kind of forced into it and their, their term of service came up and they said, you know, I'm done guys. And they, they went off and they did something in the civilian world. And it sucks for the rest of us who are left having to pick that up. You know, when you, you've lost this gap in institutional knowledge and, and, uh, and everything. Um, and it is a challenge. And, you know, we have the same thing with officers, you know, for the first few levels in officers, uh, it's kind of automatic, you, you know, you survive, you get promoted, you know, that's just kind of how it works to a certain level. And then beyond that, they go to boards. But when you're eligible to be promoted, if you get passed over twice, then you get shown the door. So, um, you know, you get to that level, you can't just be static. Um, really, probably the closest you can do to that kind of is, is the warrant officers because they are they are considered the, the, the ultimate in SMEs. And Although they are kind of, you know, they are in a leadership position, but they're not expected to be in command quite like a, a commissioned officer. We, so we, we do have kind of that track. But uh, beyond this, it's kind of forced on you, I guess. Um, and, you know, not that and, the military forces anything on you, of course, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, if you'd like to join the conversation, please raise your hand. But Dr. Martha, I think I'm going to come to you next, because what Lee's describing we see that in the business world where people have found their place in an organization and all of a sudden there's pressure for them to move up to take those leadership positions and not everybody does want to lead. So how do we continue to develop them? And maybe they'll get to a point where they do want to take leadership, but how do we not just leave them stagnant in that one place? Or do we want to do that if they're really good at their job? You know, this is something that I've been thinking about since last week when Jeremy introduced the topic, because we have to have within an organization an opportunity for growth that doesn't necessarily 
force you to move upward into a leadership position. What I've seen, especially in small companies or family-owned companies, there is nowhere to go up. You are hired for a job and that's it. There, you, you can't have a company full of leaders and nothing else. So it's the same thing. In that situation, you have to have a way of developing people, helping them to learn and grow without necessarily moving up into leadership positions. So I think this is a conversation between the employer and the employee. It takes two to tango. The employer may not be proactive in necessarily providing growth opportunities or training opportunities, but you have to be able to speak up as an employee. And if the employer still doesn't want to engage, who's to say that you can't take this upon yourself to find ways to grow so that you can apply new skills in your own job and in in your position in the company that you're with without having a formal uh, promotion into leadership or something else. So I think this is a conversation where everybody needs to be engaged, whether it's a case where there is upward movement potential, but you're not interested in the leadership, or you're in a smaller company where there is no moving up. But I think it benefits everybody, the company and the workforce, to keep growing your individual employees and developing them in different ways because it's a win-win for both sides at that point. Yeah, it's true. We, we just have to keep developing people so they don't become stagnant in those positions because then they're not going to be effective workers. Right. Um, Linda, and let me go to you because, you know, with your experience in HR, you must have faced this issue before in the past. Absolutely. And, you know, there's a little bit of brave new world in that process, you know, and however, you know, and there's some people that whatever job they're in at that given organization, it's keeping the lights on because they have other interests, right? They might have a, um, a other side gig company that they're doing, or they might have investment, they, all kinds of things. They might be a musician and that's their, that what's, that's what feeds their soul. And, and this is what's keeping the lights on kind of thing. So there's lots of people out there that just are there to do their work. They do a really good job. Um, but they're not w- willing to burn the midnight oil to get ahead because that doesn't feed their soul. And so it's, imp- and we need those as um, Dr. Martha said, um, the other side of that is, and, and some companies, you know, if you fit in a stable company, it's not growing. It's just where it wants to be. Not all companies want to keep expanding. There's not always room for somebody to move up. Right. right. So there's, there's all those things that we're balancing. The other side of that is, you know, we kind of look at advancement as to be the the master of a trade instead of a jack of all trades, right? So if there's an opportunity to, and, and this is especially important in smaller organizations, when they need to have, they have a particular task or job or whatever that they need to staff up on, there are people who want to go, let me go help them out. And I get to learn. Right. And so if you give them the menial tasks or whatever, because they have a hunger for learning, they just don't want to manage people. That gives them that opportunity to create this breadth of of ability, this breadth of experience. What that leads to is eventually 
They have this breadth of experience and that's an ideal mentorship situation. They don't have to manage the person. They can pass on their knowledge. The other thing too is, you know, and they can be seen as this person, this go-to person, and they still have value. You need to compensate them for that value. Right. But, um, and then also if that organization has um, a sales force or does sales, right. Often, and I've been in this situation when I would be, because I had five different product lines, I couldn't be an expert in all of those things, right? So when it came down to that, that meeting where they wanted to know more, when it was a really qualified meeting and they really wanted to know the ins and outs, that person, this jack of all trades, is the ideal person to sit in that meeting with them because they can answer all those technical questions. Again, providing value to the organization, making that person feel valued, but there's no management involved. The other thing too is they can also be the face of the organization. They can be out there and doing volunteer things. They can be out there doing some PR, whatever. So there's a lot of ways it can go when they have that breadth of experience. And then, you know, when, when, when you're on a crunch, you can plug them in anywhere and they can help out the team. Yeah, they certainly can. And, and <laughs> now this conversation is great because it's sort of, you know, expanding my own thoughts as well because I'm firmly in the camp of why wouldn't you want to become a leader? Um, Joe, thank you very much for joining us. So you want to unmute your mic and share your thoughts? Yeah, thank you, Tom. So really when talking about this, I think we have to consider that what exactly is a promotion? A promotion is both the recognition from the title uh, into a leadership or management position, and it's also a pay raise. And so workers no matter what position they're currently in, uh, they could take on more tasks and responsibilities in order to uh, uh, get the pay raise that they're looking for. And there are alternatives such as horizontal developmental opportunities that can also offer them other forms of recognition aside from the leadership or management title. And so I think taking a step back, we need to have a conversation not only about uh, either developing the employee vertically or horizontally, but organizations in general need to think about the career trajectory of their employees. Uh, they need to quit viewing employees as kind of a static, stagnant dot and give the employees a light at the end of the tunnel. What does it look like to stay at this organization? Uh, if you look at the job characteristics model by Hackman and Oldham, uh, there's something called growth needs strength. And a lot of people have a desire to uh, not be bored at work. They want to explore new topics. They want to do other things. It's called task variety. And they also care about task significance. And so we have to break down what are we getting from the promotion that we could give to employees in other ways if they're not interested in managing other people. Um, and so really, I think instead of just developing horizontal developmental opportunities, we have to think about as an organization, as a ton of organizations, what is the career trajectory of our employees in order to retain them in the organization in order to keep their institutional knowledge. And right now, organizations are very reactive. They only think about uh, how am I going to replace this position once a person leaves, once they give their two-week notice, things like that. But really, there should always be this thought as soon as an employee comes into the organization, 
what are potential growth opportunities, development opportunities for this employee? How can they be promoted? What is the light at the end of the tunnel? What is their career trajectory? And so I think that organizations need to be further invested in their employees and in showing the employees that you can stay at this organization and still develop in some way. If not into a leadership role, then in doing other types of things, like uh, like they were talking about earlier about extra role behavior, helping out the organization in other ways, shapes, or form, uh, that can provide task variety and task significance. And so really my kind of summary of this entire thing is the organization has to care about the career trajectory of employees, show the employees a light at the end of the tunnel that is meaningful for that specific employee. That could be vertical promotions, horizontal, et cetera. Do you think it's going to require, because I love what you're saying, but I look at organizations and a lot of them aren't there yet. So do we need to see the organizations have a, a mindset change here? It, it, complete mindset change, Tom. I mean, the organizations have to go from viewing the employee as a dot to the employee being a line. What is the path for this employee to stay at the organization? And it's a, we say that back in the 1900s, mid 1900s, that our employees are not just cogs in a machine anymore, but we really still treat them like cogs in a machine. We only really care about uh, uh, their future whenever we're looking to fill a void in the organization once someone leaves. And so organizations have to have a complete perspective change and think about, if they're hiring someone into a role, get to know that employee well enough to know what is their career trajectory going to be if we want to keep them at the organization. And so it's a complete perspective change. Yeah, hopefully, and we, you know, with people like you mentioning that, hopefully we the word gets out and we actually start to see some of those changes. Uh, we're going to move on, and I hope I don't slaughter your name too badly. Uh, Manjuri, was I close? <laughs> Yeah, you, you were close. It's Manjuri. Yeah. Uh, so by hearing the conversations of my, um, of my of my fellow attendees, I wanted to add that uh, leadership and talent development is something that both the employees and the employer and the organization should do. Like there should be a, um, it should be a, uh, what I should say. Uh, meeting between all the three uh, facets and then only it leads to um, a leadership and development in an organization. So, yeah. Do you, do, you, do you think that that is really sort of at the core of not only this issue, but a number of issues is communication that we're not actually having the conversations in mm -hmm. business that we need to be having today? Yeah, I should. I would say that it really depends on the company and the culture whether they <clears throat> whether they promote uh, this sort of communication that we are talking about. Um, so yeah, it really depends from org to org. I would say. Yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. Jeremy, I see you've got your hand up. Let's go to you next on the beach. So I want to give a first, I, I don't think I gave a thank you to Roxanne. Roxanne's the one and she's joining with us today. I think she has her hand up who gave us this great topic. And at one point I saw six hands, hands raised and which is we, we have always complete interaction and it's just great. So thank you, Roxanne, for a great topic. I also wanted to say uh, welcome to Renwick, who's uh, with us today and joining us today, who was referred over, um, said, hey, check this out by the one and only. Kim Monahan. So welcome, Renwick. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, when you look at the, and so 
Joey was saying a cogs and a will, and he said it over and over again. And it made me think of the, you know, the almost archaic. And I wonder, Linda Ann, lock and load uh, an answer to this. You know, is there a, a move to change the term human resources? I know that some of the departments, you know, you're like you're you got your chief people officer. So you're, they're moving away from that. But when you look at just the, the the term human resources, I don't yeah, I don't personally see anything wrong with it. I mean, that's what it is. But that's almost a great parallel to what Joey was saying in terms of cogs in the wheel. But that's how organizations work. They are, you know, they are resources that are used to help an organization. And that's what we are as people. We are humans and we're resources for the organizations. I completely get it. I come from a small town. And it's almost like when you look at the most, most of the workers, the majority of the workers, you know, we're all in, a, I think most people joining into to our events, we're in a different silo. We're in, you know, more, uh, you know, office types of positions, but that's not the, the, the majority of positions. You know, we're talking about factory workers. We're talking about People that are out working construction, we're talking about, you know, grocery store clerks. I mean, we, when you look at the, the vast majority of the workers, it's these people working in these non-leadership positions. And in terms of, I think, you know, just thinking about some of the jobs I worked growing up in the small town and the people that I know, I don't even, many people don't realize that there is the ability to have good and challenging work, to have a work environment that you actually enjoy. When you, leadership is tough. Leadership is very tough. If you, if you can work in a, if anyone's out there, an individual contributor, many people, I think if you can be an individual contributor and have a leader who gives you the resources you need, is respectful to you and gets out of your way when they need to, I think a lot of people would choose that over a leadership job because that is living the work life. You get to work in your passions and in terms of, okay, so how do we get away from this cog in the wheel mentality and how do we look at developing? So there's plenty of opportunities. You can, any role doesn't necessarily have to be stagnant. And I think a lot of the things that keep roles from being, from, I, I, from people from progressing in their roles is, is politics because you have part bits and pieces of jobs. Let's say that you're just, for example, let's say that you're, um, you know, you're a, a a maintenance worker for, you know, uh, like a, one of the main grounds keep keepers for like a huge medical research complex. Right. So, and you're really good at what you do. You're a people person, you know, the ins and outs, you've dealt with all the suppliers. And let's say that you're starting to feel a little stagnant in your job. You don't want to be in a leadership position because you still like doing exactly what you're, you're doing, but let's say that you, that you're thinking, okay, well, I could start to call some of these suppliers, some of these contractors for some of the things that we need. I could start to work on that and, and some of the buying opportunities. And we don't really have a buyer. It's just, we don't really have a buyer per se, but these are some of the things that go to the person in the leadership position. So that can be a little bit of a struggle, but again, we go back to, in order to become powerful, you have to give power away, but that can be some, when you look at people as alliances and um, advocates for each other in the workplace, that could be something that propels that individual from not feeling like they're stuck, from looking forward to work a little more, to allow them to have some of these conversations because they are so knowledgeable. 
And instead of the leader looking at that and saying, oh, wow, you know, my boss, my boss is going to think that I really don't have anything to do now if I give this task away. Look at that in terms of, all right, well, I am in a leadership position and I do want to be in a leadership position. I can delegate this out to the groundskeeper, do a little training myself and grow that groundskeeper in a job that where they're advancing in their own role. And then we can start to look at differences in pay versus the difficulty of the task that's performed when you're looking at, because there's, you know, how many levels of working the grounds. So, and I, and I know that's, I know, I know that is effective, but there are promotions that aren't always promotions to leadership positions. It's the difficulty of the task and the ability to do different things. And then of course, you know, I don't know if we'll get to it today and I'm, I'm going to pass the mic on, but we need, we also, I think it's important just to keep in the back of our minds, the opportunities to cross train, you know, that can be, uh, or, or just any kind of, you know, training, if you're really good at what you do, uh, the ability to move in a, into a different position within an organization, you know, you could be a, you know, you can be a cashier, but let's say you wanted to get into accounting in the organization, there can be a track for that. It's a, it's same job, it's same company, different job type. We can also look at same job type, different company where some of the you know, more futurist companies out there realizing, look, we need to develop our employees. And, and we've said this before, we've heard this before, develop employees uh, so that they're perfect and get everything they need and then treat them so that they'll stay, but develop them for their next job, because that's going to help them feel like they're continuing to move and move and say, look, it's okay if they go to another company, but we're going to create the environment and give them everything they need so that they don't want to leave. But there's some, there's, it's, it's gripping, right? The fear of giving, uh, giving things away. And what if we, our, our employee leaves and we spend all these resources and I'll say what a great CEO once told me, what, you know, the, who always got the question, what happens if we train people, we spend all this money and they leave. And his response is always, well, what happens if we don't train them and they stay? Yeah. So I'll leave it at that and throw it back over to you. A very interesting discussion. I love this. Yeah, it's a great discussion. And we got hands up everywhere. So um, Roxanne, your topic, let's go to you next. Thank you. Um, so a lot of good things discussed. Um, ultimately, from my experience, I actually found a lot of my experience working at McDonald's. I was there for 10 years. Um, so cross-training is a huge deal there. Um, and that, you know, one of the things there is, you know, if you want a promotion, they necessarily didn't have non-management positions to do that, which is a, definitely a growth factor for them. Um, but working at like nonprofits and other organizations, one of the things that I found was really awesome for a project is job shadowing, interdepartment job shadowing and cross department job shadowing. Um, one of the things I was working on at the nonprofit is we had children's services, basic administration like finance and training, HR. Then we also had community um, resources for like immigration. I developed a training program for that cross-sectionalizing between the children's services, which is like home adoption and things like that, and then also the finance department. So I was developing content for that to help, you know, cross-fertilize everybody to see how their role impacts the other departments and the vision. And then another thing that's really important is succession planning. Succession planning should be done for every role. Um, 
ideally, many corporations are looking for those upper leadership positions right now, which is extremely important, but you also need to do it at the lower level too. Um, just having the ability for employees to do that cross fertilization, which can be in the form of job shadowing or even doing um, personal statements like videos for your departments, you know, having something on your internet, like, hey, this is what this department does. This is what skills we need. Having those little introductory videos would be a great emphasis for other employees to know, hey, this is cool. Maybe I should transfer to a different department to learn more. Um, again, we have task variety. You can take on more responsibility within your task. In my current role, there's four step levels for promotions before my term turns into a management level. So there's always that road as well. Um, employees can also do stipends. If you want to pay to go to a training course, conferences, that's all, also another way. And then also um, just being like a project consultant on different projects in the community. You're an expert in technology. Maybe the HR department is wanting to get a new HRS system. You can help with the integration of things that way, but not necessarily lead people. So there's what many love, different ways. Yeah, and what I, I really love, what I'm hearing is, you know, even if these employees don't want to move up, you know, you keep them active, you keep their brains working, and you keep them feeling like they're building on the success of the company. You're listening to Work Cookie, a CBOC podcast. We'll be right back after this break. Turnboot. The name is not elegant. Neither are the issues that organizations face. Led by a PhD in industrial organizational psychology, you can rest assured that the highest standards and latest in workplace and human behavior science will be used to get your organization results with a tailored plan specific to your workplace needs. Truly helping others, integrity, positive impact, and getting results. That's what we stand for. That's Turnboot Organizational Excellence. Welcome back. You're listening to Work Cookie, a CBOC podcast. Let's go to you next. Yeah, thanks, Tom. Yeah, man, there's so much. Um, you know, something uh, I think it was Dr. Jeremy said earlier, but, you know, Richard Branson said, you know, to, to train people well enough to leave, but treat them well enough they don't want to, you know, or something like that, I'm paraphrasing. Right. But, um, you know, one thing that, that comes to mind with this, you know, coming from an organizational perspective is how important it is to have those conversations with your employees, to have that internal coaching. Um, you know, one thing that we have to do when somebody reports to a new command in the Navy is we do a, a career development board. You sit down with them and what do you want to do? You know, not just here, but in the future. What do you want to do after you get out? And we work on plans to how to get there. Um, and I, I think that you should do that with your people. And, I, and I've always, you know, I've always looked at it as they, if a person is not happy where they are, then they need to go somewhere else. And if it's not working for me, then that, that's fine. And, you know, it sucks for me, but it's not for them. And, you know, one thing that I've seen in a lot of companies, but we're not leveraging it, is the continuing ed opportunities, uh, you know, tuition reimbursements or uh, training courses or opportunities to go to professional uh, conferences or whatever, and we don't really push that. We, we go, yeah, it's in the brochure. It's a, you know, it's a recruiting tool, you know, whatever, but we don't really push that. We don't sit down with our employees and go, look, I, I'm going, I need to give you time to do this. 
In fact, a lot of the, the managers really kind of resent it. If you go up and say, hey, I want to take some time to do something not related to directly to my task. And they're like, well, I don't want to let you out of my, you know, you have work. And, you know, so we need to, to facilitate that, even if it's something completely not related, because we want to keep if that, you know, if they're a good employee. But then if we encourage them to do something outside, say, man, my employer's great. You should come work with us. You know, where we turn our employees into ambassadors to where they are singing our praises. They're recruiting for us without even knowing they're recruiting. Um, You know, and on top of that, uh, something like uh, I think Roxanne was saying about working on other teams and whatever else. um, You know, something I've seen more in startups and stuff is the is the, the the project concept where people get put temporarily into projects and. I think that's fantastic because I need I need a, a SME in a particular in thing that I don't have. But I think it's also really important to make sure that we carve out time of their schedule to do that, where I'm not expecting you to do 40 hours on your regular job and then donate five hours to this project that we want to put you on, because that's a huge turnoff for a lot of people. I mean, if you're not one of those hot runners who wants to work 100 hours a week, which I am not, then, you know, who wants to do that? Yeah. You know, why won't he ever get involved in this? Well, it's because we're giving him extra work. And, uh, and you know, and as far as the, the same thing, I, I heard a story once about a janitor, at, at, I believe at a school, that he, he, he was happy with what he was doing. And he stayed long enough that he was making like $200,000 when he retired. Wow. Because there was no cap. And he just kept doing a good job and kept getting raises. And he stayed where he was and was happy. And we need the people. Because I'd much rather have a highly paid, you know, guy who's doing a good job because he enjoys it than running through a whole bunch of guys I'm paying less, but I'm paying all the onboarding fees repeatedly to bring them in. And, yeah. uh, and something uh, also, uh, I heard a TED talk a while back talking about transition planning. Uh, and I actually wrote a, wrote a paper on this a few months back about working on transitioning people in and out of positions, even if they're to other organizations. So if you talk to your employee and you say, hey, look, I want to do something, but I can't do it here. Okay, I respect that. How can we make that work? So then we can have this person help with revising the job description and the duties and all that kind of stuff and in recruiting for their replacement and give them the opportunity to even do a training. Because, I mean, how often do we hire someone when the person's still there? We generally don't. And. You know, this particular gentleman giving this talk said he had a, he, one of his customers, he called him up and said, hey, look, I, you know, this guy's going to leave me, and, and, but he's fantastic, and I think he'd be an asset to you. And the customer's like, really? He's like, absolutely. You need to hire this guy if you've got a position. And they facilitated that transfer. And guess what? This guy is now, like I said, an ambassador. You know, they used to work for XYZ. Yeah, and they are fantastic. If you get the opportunity, go there. Um, yeah. And I think we really could, we're really missing the boat on that because we get all in all this. Oh, we expect you to be loyal and stay with us. Blah, blah, blah. But if we could facilitate an ordered transition, uh, you know, kind of like we do in the military, you know, when you get a new job, you show up, the guy's still there, he trained you, and then he goes on and repeats the process and you have continuity. Right. But we just totally don't do that. We completely cut the cord and, you know, uh, off oops. you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know what? I, I, as Jeremy once told me, there's lots of books on leadership. There's no books on following. So I'm, you know, as this episode progresses, I think, you know, all of you should sit down and write this book together. Uh, Linda Ann, let's go to you next. 
you need to unmute your mic though. There we go. Um, there's a couple of things to, to talk about. One, I'm gonna start with, with Jeremy and about the terminology of human resources. I think that, you know, and I've, and I've said this before, you know, I'm, it, the whole chief happiness officer makes me lose my mind. Um, <laughs> and, but part of it is um, I don't see human resources in the way that Jeremy had described it. I see it as, and, and people see it as, you know, well, human resources, we need to get that resource in that position, right? It's more about recruiting, getting people in the, in the jobs. I see it more as I'm a resource for humans. And that's a little bit about, you know, when you need help figuring out what benefits do you want? Let me go through that with you so you make good decisions. When we talk about um, managers, you know, how if they're in a tough situation, let's walk you through that so that it's a good, a win-win for, for all of you. There's so many things, you know, how do we help you get where you want with your career? And this goes to different, um, the other conversation that we're having. And that is when I would recruit, I started off with, give me the ideal. What's the ideal position for you? Where do you want to go? Because then you have, and that was the, the that created the culture for the organization in that, oh, I can communicate what I want, what projects I want to work on. It was an architecture firm most recently. And so uh, they could feel comfortable saying when that come, when that contract comes in, I really want to work on that project. And so they had input into how their career was developing and career pathing. I, this is my little mantra is if they don't see their future with you, they see it somewhere else. So you better show them what the future looks like with you. Right. And so it's, it's, that's the career pathing thing. So, but, but we would do that at every review. Like, where do you want to go? What do you want? What do you need to do? What do you want to learn? And so that they can get there. That, only benefits the organization. The other thing too is, is, all right, are you facilitating their certifications? You know, what are you doing to help them get to that next level? I was taught as a young manager that if you're a good manager, people will outgrow you. And so that's why, you know, you have to realize that there is going to be some turnover. It's, it's natural. It's organic. But again, like, um, I think it was, it was a Joe or, or somebody or was saying that, um, yeah, people will say you, working for them is a great and, and, and Lee, working for them is a great organization, you know, and, and that's your branding. Yeah, it, once again, it's having those conversations. And I think, you know, you were probably light years ahead of a lot of organizations. Uh, Joe, we're going to go to you next and then Renwick, we're on to you. Right. I'm just going to bounce off of some ideas from Lee and Linda Ann here for a second and uh, really Jeremy too, but they were really talking about the organization restructuring jobs, and then also the employee restructuring jobs. And I think it's good to think about uh, every job kind of has a core set of tasks and responsibilities that need done, but then there's other behaviors, other tasks and responsibilities within the organization that someone has to do. And there's uh, there should be a high degree of um opportunity for the employees to do job crafting to decide which employees do which extra role behaviors within the organization. It could be something as simple as uh, who helps design the 
picnic for the organization or who puts on this event or that event or who contacts this person for resources, et cetera, et cetera. But there's these extra role behaviors that the organization has to decide, should it be a part of someone's core tasks and responsibilities, in which case it's called job design redesign. And then on the employee's end, it's called job crafting whenever they have specific things that they might be interested in taking on over and above whatever their core responsibilities are. But I had another point, and this goes back to something that Lee was saying, but one area of organizations that I see across the board that they're deficient in is the continuing education opportunities. And that could be either within house continuing education opportunities, or that could be uh, uh, agreements with some sort of organization for further training and development of their employees. And the way I like to think of it is, the employee's job inherently has the employee investing in the future of the organization. Employees want to see that organizations will reciprocate by investing in the future of the employee. And so this is a, this is a reciprocal relationship and just innate within the person's job, they're helping out, they're investing in the future of the organization and organizations have really been dropping the ball in terms of offering these extra uh, ways of showing that the organization is investing in the future of the employee. And uh, Jeremy was saying earlier about training people and they leave. Well, it's, I mean, ideally they would pass on uh, their uh, institutional knowledge to someone. So if you're doing a good job of doing succession planning, they're going to have passed that on before they leave the company because they have a, they have a, at least some degree of loyalty to the organization. So they're going to pass it on. But then you also have to think about even if they leave the organization, if they're a high quality employee because they've been trained, that's going to increase the uh, perception of brand quality of your organization. It's like, oh, this person is a really high quality employee. Like they're coming in the gate from such and such organization and they're just top tier people, top tier talent. And so um, there's, I really think there's enough benefits to the organizations investing in employees that it just makes good business sense to actually do that investment. And you know, we're, we're actually going to see accounting change over the next probably five to 10 years where those relationships that people have with their organization are actually going to find themselves on the, on the balance sheet. Um, Renwick, let's go to you next. And then Roxanne, we're going to come back to you. Yeah, Tom, I, I love that, that concept of um, wealth being measured by and through relationship capital. Um, no. You know, someone trained in accounting, I, I find that to be a missing piece of valuing wealth at both the organizational and individual levels. Um, I just have a couple of observations, and it starts with the definition of leadership on, on what that is. And I'll, I'll stick less with what it is for those who are in leadership positions with the related titles, and, and more to what it is for the individual, whether it's someone who's now starting his or her or their career or somewhere in the interim intermediate stages of it. And, and to me, when I think of leadership, I, I think of number one, learning to um, get rid of this notion of being self-important. And, and, and you spoke to it, um, Tom, when you talked about the importance of being a follower. And, and that's so important. And to illustrate what I mean, I recall an experience many years ago when a team went out on a Saturday to the outdoors to do some kayaking. And there were about maybe 16 people um, in, in 
kayaks. And, and then there was one person in particular who happened to be a teller in a bank who had spent much of her time in the outdoors and was an avid kayaker and naturally emerged as the guide for the entire group. Right. Led in a different environment, in a different situation. Unbeknownst to many who would have labeled her as just a, an admin part of the group, she was a leader. Right. That became very evident in that particular situation. So fast forward to back in the office at the next group session, when a discussion was facilitated regarding what was learned, and in particular about leadership. Well, what was learned was that everyone is a leader. Everyone does have occasion to demonstrate their leadership skills. Those natural inclinations we all have in different environments at different times, at different stages in organizations. And conversely, we can all benefit if and when we allow leadership to emerge. The point here is that there is some value to be had from reframing what leadership truly is. And when we do, and for those organizations that do so, what we discover is that we can allow every single participant in every organization to emerge at their own time in their own areas and those that pertain to the organization to be incredibly valuable, getting things done with and through others. So if, if I'm leading a team and I know there's people on my team with those special skills, it's important for me as a leader to sometimes step back and go, you take the lead on this. And, and that's brilliant. I love that uh, because it really does make everybody really feel part of the team then as, you know, they get their opportunity. And those people who don't want to lead, you know, they're still going to be happy. And you might every once in a while give them an opportunity where they do want to lead. Um, that's great thinking. Uh, Roxanne, let's go on to you. Completely agree. The vision and the definition is what is required for this to change. Um, ultimately, leadership is not directing people. It's letting people have their own space, um, having space to voice their uh, expertise, their complaints. You know, that's the goal of the leader is to listen and then adapt, ultimately. Um, things that organizations can do to help improve this is to include in the vision, mission, and values. Um, put it in your strategic planning. Uh, a key component would be to include HR in your strategic plan and how they can help adapt this. When choosing school partnerships, make sure the school is um, accredited, reputable. You don't want to give them education that's not going to do anything for you. <laughs> so you want to make sure that's valuable. Um, the transition planning, touching on that, um, one key thing that we should Including that is job requisition evaluations. Um, every so often, you should reevaluate is this job standard up to par with what you're actually doing? Um, you don't want to give people an unrealistic view of the job. Another core component for adding on to the cross training and development is to have, if they have time, have 10% for passion projects. 
in addition to the person's role. If they see something another group is doing, hey, can I spend 10% of my time working with them? That's another way to lead. But yeah, other than that, organizations should realize and educate themselves on the money saving. You know, having this in only develops your brand, helps your recruiting, and ultimately will save you money in the long run. So training is so important. And you're going to get much more benefit from training somebody who's already with you than losing them and having to bring somebody else in who you have to start all over again training. And, you know, it, it, as you were speaking, it reminded me of, you know, my life as director on stage and in film where I could walk in and basically go, I'm the director, do it my way. But it doesn't work great that way. It works much better when you allow those actors to bring them own, you know, their own visions to those particular roles. Uh, so working much together as a team and allowing those others to take leadership at time. And Dr. Martha, let's go to you. As I'm listening to this conversation, I hear all these excellent specific ways of how we can help people to develop and grow without having to go into a leadership position if they don't want to. And I keep thinking about how beneficial that is for the individual, but also for anyone else who gets to work with that individual. So whether it's um, cross-training, job shadowing, participating in projects that you normally wouldn't be a part of, think about the fresh ideas and the fresh perspective and the fresh new talent that that individual brings to this other department or this other group of people or this other project. It's such a wonderful, wonderful way of incorporating everybody's talent in new and exciting ways and everybody benefits. What a fantastic conversation. It's a great conversation, but you know, we're having the conversation. This conversation doesn't seem to be happening in the C-suite. So how do we get them to listen to this message? And I'm going to throw well, that right back to you, Dr. Martin. That's the million dollar question, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? And, and we've had this, um, this point come up before. We're the psychologists, we're the IO psychologists. We are looking at this through a different lens, right? We want this ideal, everybody's happy, do this and it'll work. And the organizations are saying, okay, the margins come first and then maybe at some point we'll worry about the people. But I think that if we continue to have the conversation and we inspire the workforce to speak up, bring this up to the organization if they're not starting it on their own, then maybe that's how we get these ideas in there. And change is slow, sometimes change is forced, but if we continue to chip away at it, keep having these conversations, keep encouraging employees to bring this up within the organization, I think that's the way to do it. Right. We, we can't expect them to have the same point of view and the same lens that we do. Because again, we want it this way because it makes sense to us. That's why we are where we are in life, right? This right. is why we're having these conversations. But we have to inspire the organizations and then the individuals within the organizations to get those conversations going. Yeah, I, I just, you know, as Jeremy, I think, brought forward a meeting or two ago, 17 years between when research comes out and it gets implemented into business. So, Linda Ann, let me go to you next, because is HR the way in? Should, H, should we be talking to HR and should HR be having these conversations with the organizational leaders about this type of change? 
Oh, absolutely. And the thing is, um, but you have to speak their language, right? right. If they're not, if they're not um, an empathetic group or so forth, they might like, yeah, we'll just replace them. However, there is an equation that goes with it. And one of the more recent studies by Gallup and, and, and a couple other places where they evaluate all the pieces that contribute to cost of turnover. And if you look at someone who makes $50,000, well, what they said was, you know, basically when you try to replace somebody, it can cost 50% to two and a half times their salary to replace them. Wow. So most companies are probably at least in the range of their average salary being $50,000, right? I think that's a pretty conservative estimate, unless for certain industries, you know, it's less for certain industries. But if you look at every person leaving, costing you $25,000, that makes a big difference. That's a whole lot of training for one person. Or how much of that, if if you have, you know, maybe industry level turnover is... 10%, 10%, but yours is 17%. How much in that bottom line is extra that you just lost? So I think there's ways to talk about it that creates urgency. Do you think with what we're seeing with the great resignation that companies might actually wake up and start, how do I keep my employees? I think there's there's some of that. I think there's a lot of um, people that like the people that are trying to get people back to work, right? What I've seen lately is um, I think there was a Stanford study or some anyway, that we're going to continue with turnover because a lot of people left where they were and now they made a rash decision and they're leaving again. Um, But so they're making a little different choices this time. However, so there's going to be still this high turnover rate for a little while, but the people who are not doing the hybrid remote kind of, um, flexible work environment are going to see much higher rates. Right. So it, it's it's going to be interesting over the next five years. Um, Jeremy, we've only got about five minutes left. And I see that next week we're going to be talking about building and implementing an effective leadership program. So we're going to swing back to leadership. Do you want to give us a little bit of a, of a preview of next week? Uh, yeah. So this, this is, uh, this was another submission and I'm excited for this. There is a uh, I, I built from scratch and implemented this. I would call it effective. Uh, it was a nine week leadership program and uh, the stats on it were quite amazing. So there's nice some uh, nice gold that will be found in there. And then the week after that, we're going to do building and implementing an effective employee onboarding program. So those are definitely some things we're looking forward to. Also, I think it's May 24th and everything, if, if anyone goes, if you go to cboc.com, scboc.com, all the events are there, uh, uh, just click on events. The 24th of May, we're having an, for all those IO psychology um, fanatics out there, we're having an IO psychology community town hall and we are going to, everyone has an opportunity to complain to, to provide solutions, to talk about the growth, to talk about the exciting things that are happening in IO, talk about the things that IO degree programs aren't providing. We're going to have this great, amazing town hall on May 24th, I believe. It's on at cbuck.com. Uh, on that note, uh, I also wanted to add 
if anyone were if anyone has uh like you're so if you're you know recently graduated io get in contact with your professor we want to start getting in touch with the the io programs for universities out there and seeing you know, how can we as cboc help provide some of the you know what's it like in a day-to-day for IOs, uh, how are IOs um, faring with their with their job search? What does the practice look like? How are we helping organizations? What are the specific things? And we want to start to be able to provide that to the next wave of the IO future. And on that same note, if you're an organization who hires mostly IOs, and there's a lot of organizations that are strictly you know IO-based organizations. Get in touch with, the, with us too. We want to help to fill your pipeline and find out what your needs are. Thank you to everyone here. This has been pure gold for an hour. How much for the people that are going to listen to this uh, Work Cookie podcast when, it, when the episode comes out? How much gold in terms of education, action items, mindset? I mean, you could have companies that just say, all right, everyone, here, you know, just sit down bring your lunch. We're going to listen to this podcast together, all, all the leaders in the organization. I mean, this is just golden. I do hope that everyone uh, returns, especially those who, who spoke and for the absolute gold um, from everyone. And uh, again, a special thank you to, to Renwick for joining us today. A lot of gold uh, with what Renwick was saying. I hung on every single word as uh, everyone else too. And again, thank you to Roxanne for suggesting the topic. You know, the Jeremy, there's a lot of smart people in this group and, and Renwick, <laughs> thank you very much for joining us because you really do add another layer to this great group. And, and you know, I think everybody who was part of this conversation today should write a chapter. And then we put that together as a book uh, because this information and knowledge really needs to get out to that wider audience. And with that, Jeremy, I, I see that our time is pretty much up. So if you want to wrap up with some final thoughts, um, which you've kind of already done, but if you've got a few more things you want to add, uh, but then I think you should count us up and we should agree to meet again next week. Yes. And we will meet next week. Tom, you mentioned that book twice. And after two times, it gets stuck in my head. Okay. If anyone uh, is into the book writing thing, I think that's a great idea. Get, get, get in touch with me. If anyone wants to take on this type of project, we've got plenty for it. See you next week, everyone. Thank you so much. Five, four, three, two, and one. Thanks for listening to this episode of Work Cookie, a Seabock podcast. Don't forget to sign up at seabock.com. That's S-E-B-O-C.com to engage with our community, gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from experts. Would it be a bad idea to make your most challenging workplace problems go away? Don't forget to check out our corporate, career boost, recruiter, and even student memberships at seabock.com.